it's the Creator Spaces show. In the creator economy, you increase your odds of success with every piece of content that you put out. A lot of us struggle with publishing consistently, but nobody said that the content has to be yours. Welcome back to the Creator Spaces show, and today, we're sharing an interview we did with Alex Lal, a content creator and writer based in Spain. He managed to grow his Twitter following to 19,000 and newsletter to 1.6 thousand subscribers by stealing other people's content. Let's get right into it. Do you consider yourself a creator? Yes, I consider myself a creator, but my long-term goal is to be like a full-time creator. So tell me, what exactly do you create? My main creative outlet is Twitter for now. And the goal is to create content to help other creators make better content. I think I initially saw you. Were we in the same Ship 30 for 30 cohort? Yeah, probably. I think so. The first thing I noticed when I first saw your stuff was the design you were doing. And so how much do you consider yourself a writer versus a designer versus a creator? It's a, that's a good question. I don't consider myself a designer at all. So basically my design decisions are very calculated. The first one is the color and the second one, my designs are not like complex or anything. They are basically made of icons I find all over the internet. Awesome. I did not realize that. I thought you were drawing these all yourself. I wish I could. <laughs> the pandemic provided him with a golden opportunity to create something for himself on Twitter. And here, he breaks down the quickest strategy to get your first 1,000 followers on the platform. And so, how did you start out building your audience? How have you changed in your mindset over time? We were in the middle of a pandemic because this happened one year ago, more or less. My mind was like, I can try to find a new job or I can try to build something by myself. And I've been a huge Twitter consumer for a long time. I've seen other creators build an audience. So I said, why not give it a try? And so, what form did that take when you were starting out? Yeah, so at the beginning, it was mostly single tweets, pretty bad ones, if I have to say, because <laughs> I always take a look at my content and see the tweets I was putting out one year ago. <laughs> it's just not very good, but that's cool because now I see the content that I put out now and there's a huge difference and that speaks to my evolution as a creator too. I mean, I'm proud of that at least. Yeah, and... Did you see a shift when you joined Ship30? Did that change anything in how you go about no. growing? Not that much because at the time I had already like a bigger audience than most of the people that joined Ship30. So Ship30 can be like a great push, especially if you have not a big audience, probably like under 1K, something like that, because everyone supports each other. But for me, it doesn't do anything in terms of numbers, but of course it does a lot in terms of people that retweet the content. You obviously need to create content, but my focus would be 100% to engage with bigger accounts because that's how you get like attention and eyes on you and what you can provide. Because obviously at the beginning you are tweeting into the void, you have zero followers. So the way to get those eyes on you is to go to bigger accounts and leave valuable comments. There is like a super fine line between leaving a valuable comment and being like a spammer. But if you balance it out, then it's the quickest strategy to get like those first 100 followers. And then from there, you can start to double down on content instead of engagement, if that's something that you prefer. His story of how he started monetizing on Twitter exemplifies the importance of building a strong brand. And it will teach you how to build one yourself. So we've talked a bit about audience building. And now let's dig into the meat of it monetizing. Right now, you've got Twitbox, which is a Notion Twitter dashboard. And then I think you're doing some freelance work as well. Yep. So tell me about that and your other projects that I probably don't know about. 
Yeah, so basically I have two paid products on sale. One is an ebook and it's basically how I made like my first couple of hundred online dollars. An ebook called The Twitter Thief and it just speaks about how you can steal content from other people and steal followers and stuff like that. And it's basically a Twitter growth guide, but disguised with the stealing theme in behind. I realized early on that it's super hard to create 100% original content. I mean, in my experience, original content doesn't really exist. Like we are always building and creating on top of other people's content, other people's ideas. So that's like the mindset that I try to bring into like content creation too. It's even encouraged in my case to get inspiration from other creators, how they write and so on, because that's the way you find your own voice. Like you drink from many sources, you put it together, you mix it with your own personal experiences and that's how you create original content that's not really original, it's your content. That stealing thing has been like going super strong for me and at the same time, it allows me to create like a good branding opportunities. Awesome. I can't talk about monetization without talking about brand positioning. I think they're possibly the most important things. Now, I've got a few guesses why you chose this yellow-orange shade. And one of them is that it is one of the most contrasting colors against the blue of Twitter. But please explain, why did you choose this color? <laughs> So like one of the first reasons was because when I started out on Twitter, one of my first follows was Jack Butcher and he has a course around design. One of the first lessons in that course, he says that you should make one decision to eliminate like a thousand. He applies it onto the, like the design side of things. So basically that's why his account like Visualize Value and the Designs, he does only have like black and white. So since I wanted to include some visuals in my content, I said I need to like choose one color and stick with it until the end of time. The reason why I chose this yellow slash orange is because first, I like the color. Second, what you said, like it contrasts perfectly with Twitter and also in the dark mode, which most people like browse Twitter with. It's super impactful, like when you scroll the feed, super easy to see, super recognizable. Awesome. So what's your primary source of revenue now across these different projects? Yeah, so basically the main source of revenue is freelancing. What I do with freelancing is help usually other creators or entrepreneurs like early stage startups with social media strategy. They come to me because they have a lot of content and they don't know what to do with it or they don't have a set social media strategy in place. So basically help them with that. And that has been going quite well. I hear you've got a wait list. <laughs> yeah, it really depends because I'm not trying to get my entire workday full with clients. So when I feel it's enough, I just close my contact form and don't get any more clients. Not because I don't want more clients or more money because that's why I do it. But I don't want to supercharge my schedule because one of the main reasons I didn't get back to corporate work was because I wanted to work not as many hours as I used to. As I worked in advertising, it's usually like a super demanding industry. I could do like 10, 12 hour days at least once every week because there is campaigns that need delivery, stuff like that. Once I experienced that life, I said, I want to work the least amount of hours possible, at least to make them like super impactful for the rest of my day or my week. His experience in freelancing and working a nine to five job has shaped his North Star metric for success into this. What's your North Star metric for success? How do you know you're on the right path? Yeah, so it's time flexibility or time freedom in the sense that I want to get to do what I want to do whenever I want. For example, if I'm in the middle of a workday, let's say a Tuesday, and I have to go to a doctor's appointment at 11 a.m., which is normally a time that everyone is at the office or something like that, I can just go and that's it. 
Yeah. And do you plan to keep freelancing over the longer term and raise rates as demand increases? Or do you think you're going to try to transition to all products? Yeah, the thing about freelancing, I like it because you get to work with a lot of different people and so on. But at the same time, it's the same issue than having a full-time job. Basically, you are trading your time for money and that doesn't fit very well with the lifestyle that I want. Yeah, so I've done you a disservice using the word freelance <laughs> because the very first course I ever took online was called Double Your Freelancing by Brennan Dunn. And it was like a five-step email course. The first email was never call yourself a freelancer, <laughs> triple your rates and start calling yourself a consultant. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I don't really know how to call it. I just say freelancing because everyone knows exactly what a freelance means. <laughs> so basically that's just wording, but I agree, you know, I like it. Having time freedom allows you to focus on goals that are important to you, like building your audience. And for Alex, there's only one metric that matters most as he analyzes his growth on Twitter. So what's your current goal as a creator? I know you've got thread out, you're working on growing to 10,000 Twitter followers. Mm -hmm. Why 10,000? What's the step from there? The first thing I should say is that I'm always against like vanity metrics. So basically followers is just like a vanity metric and it's not really useful if those followers are not engaged. Basically, I'm trying to build like an engaged audience. I don't think I really want to be like that person that has a million followers the day of tomorrow. That would be probably like too much to manage. Around 10,000 followers feels like a great number in the sense that it can bring you like more opportunities from the outside because 10K followers looks good. But at the same time, it feels like the size of a community which is quite manageable. Also, I've seen so many people that I know. I don't know why. <laughs> Once they get to those 10K, their growth like skyrockets. It's a psychological thing. I'm close enough to 10K now where I could spend about $100 and get there on follower ads. But I've told myself, no, you're going to get there organically. Yeah, for me, it's the way because obviously you can buy followers or you can make ads and stuff like that. But why do you want those followers if they are not like interacting with you? And I'm not against buying ads. What I am against is about buying followers, which is something that more people do than we realize. <laughs> yeah. So you reach 10K followers, you go into hyper growth mode, <laughs> you start skyrocketing towards 100K. What's the next product you put out? I'm not entirely sure. I've actually been thinking about it. And I think one of the things that would be wise to do right now probably is update both of my products because one, uh, the ebook, for example, I wrote it when I had around a thousand followers. So I have now way more things to add to expand the content. And also like the other product that I built, which is Tweetbox, needs also a bit of upgrading. So that's probably my next move in terms of products. And the cool thing about having 10,000 followers is that you can experiment super quickly because you get like super fast feedback looks and stuff like that. So basically my idea is to release like smaller products, see how the audience reacts. And if one of them works really well, then maybe I can think about expanding it and creating like that flagship product that most well-known creators have. Something that can make sales even two or three years from now. It's on my mind. It's not that easy to do because it needs to be evergreen too. That's probably like my next move. We finish it off by discovering the mindset that Alex swears by and believes has brought him this far. If you could send a tweet back to your start, what would it be and when would it be? You get to choose the start. That's a good question because one of the things that helped me more in life and also in Twitter is the notion of getting out of your comfort zone. 
out of your comfort zone is where like the real growth happens and even if i don't give that feeling out of my twitter content and so on i'm like a shy person i wouldn't say an introvert because i'm not an introvert i quite an extrovert but i am an extrovert that needs to gain a bit of trust and confidence to open myself to others when i started tweeting i was super scared of sharing my thoughts and the only thing that pushed me through that barrier was this notion of the real growth happens outside of your comfort zone so that probably would be my tweet keep pushing because that's when good things happen